And that's nice what you said about uh, renovating at least a couple of the units and maybe proving the the you know maximum market value for that property, that location, if you do these improvements. Yes. So then the new owner coming in can see the potential and still have some meat on the bone to, to make their own improvements their own way. It is a common saying amongst real estate investors that you make money when you buy, not when you sell. While this catchy phrase has value, it fails to convey how easy it is to lose money through poor property management. Whether you self-manage or hire a professional, it is important to understand how to navigate the common pitfalls and challenges with rental properties without losing your shirt or your mind. That's why you have tuned in to Maximizing Your Property Value, the Apartment Owner's Guide to Operating Rental Properties as a Successful Business. I'm your host, John Stiles, real estate agent and team leader of the VIP Real Estate Group at Bridge Realty. As a current multifamily investor and former property manager myself, I understand the headaches and difficulties of keeping an investment property from becoming a money pit and time sucker. It takes a solid business plan, it takes tested systems, and it takes key team members to actually find success. So let's take a deep dive and maximize your property value. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Maximizing Your Property Value. I'm so glad to the, for your audience to uh, join me again here today. And I'm pleased to introduce you to my guest today, Joe Collins, who is with Housing Hub. And uh, Joe, thanks so much for coming in. Thank you. Thank you, John. And Housing Hub was started back in 2013, but I know that you've got experience in real estate long before that. Um, can you fill in our guests with a little bit about your history, how you got into real estate? Well, um, I started about, it's 26 years ago, I bought my first triplex. Um, it was a value add, we call them nowadays. Um, it had uh, all one bedrooms. So what I did is I went in, it was an assumable mortgage, which you don't see many of those anymore. Um, it was 85000 assumable was 82000 so I had to come up with three grand. So scrambled, got three grand together, put it down on the property, purchased it for eighty-five grand um, on the east side of St. Paul. Uh, there's an open attic area. I opened it up, uh, pulled a permit, did sheetrock, um, did all the work, brought in a contractor to do electrical, um, added two bedrooms each. Um, so I doubled my uh, rental income on that. So that was my first uh, experience with properties. Nice. how did you come across that property? You know what? I was uh, 18 years old, wanting to know kind of what, what do I do? What do I do with my life? And I always liked it, uh, construction background. I remodeled my basement when I was a kid, to, uh, put a bedroom down there when my brothers left, uh, kind of wanted my own little space. And, uh, I actually was living at my, my parents' house when I bought this house for a rental property. And, uh, You'd think you're going to move into something like that. Nope. I stayed at home, gathered some more money together, and uh, and I was off on uh, to the races. Okay. Wonderful. And then, so over the years, you've grown your rental portfolio uh, to the point where you've, you're have you now managing for other people now, right? Yes. Yep. Um, all along the way, we'd sit at closing, buying properties from people, and they'd say, hey, do you, do you manage for others? Do you manage for others? We saw the uh, management companies come and go, and... Uh, 
we were still learning. So we wanted to perfect what we wanted, uh, what we had and what we could offer. So in 2013, when we thought we were there and, uh, and, and we opened up housing hub. Okay. And so where, what is the focus of housing hub? Is there a certain type of property or certain location that you focus on? You know what, all around the metro, um, we like the St. Paul, Minneapolis area because that can be cumbersome to uh, landlords, how to navigate that, uh, especially with the new application process. How does that look? How do, how do, you, just, how do you navigate through it? And city code, uh, inspections, and just, you know, the city's different than the first, second ring suburb. So we kind of focus on that area because those are the landlords that need more help. Okay. Um, is there a certain type of property as far as single family versus townhouse versus apartment building? We will represent first time landlord with a single family house, duplex, um, anything that we don't have to have on site management, we'll manage. Okay. So usually that's around up to 40 to 50 units. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and then. As you kind of compare yourselves to other management companies that are out there, is there something that's unique about your company? Well, the two owners of Housing Hub own a property. We get it. We understand it. Uh, our portfolio, we have about 1,800 units that we manage. Half the units are, are uh, that we own. Um, we, we get the feeling of what it takes to be an owner, um, the hardships, the the making money to not making money and how do you navigate through that um, and making the tough choices. Yeah. Well, as we talk about uh, managing rental properties in this show, uh, sometimes we're talking to owners themselves, sometimes who are managing their own properties, or maybe they have a third party property manager like yourself, but you know, they still need to be the owner in, in charge of, of their investment property. So, um, as people consider what they should be doing as far as hiring a manager or not, uh, what are some characteristics of a good manager that they should look for? We have, we have uh, owners that call us. I mean, we give out free advice. We'll talk owners through things. If they have questions, they can call us. We don't just see dollar signs with them. Uh, we want to help them because landlords have a bad name they have a bad reputation so if we can kind of come together and, and 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 do this together whether they use our services or not we think at the end of the day as they get bigger they will call us back and they they will uh, use our services because we are the one-stop shop we have maintenance we do leasing we do it all okay yeah and what are some of the benefits of hiring a third-party manager versus somebody doing it themselves yeah <laughs> uh, you can go on vacation <laughs> you can you can put your phone away. You can go out on the boat and do some water skiing. You can hang out with your kids. Um, uh, uh, your husband or wife isn't, uh, you know, say, hey, I need some more time. Because property management and, and property ownership takes time. And, and you're going to get those calls not at uh, 8 to 5, 9 to 5. Uh, you're going to get those calls after hours, Sundays, Saturdays, especially when, when you're doing something that you truly love or want to do. So a third, third party, I think it's the cheapest way to protect your asset and give it all, pretty much it needs attention. And it's a way to, if, if you pick a good, good company, it, it's for long term, it, it works out. Yeah. So you talk about the owners getting back their time. Um, 
you know, I, I know that there's a lot of things that take up your time as a manager, um, and there's always something new every day. What's an example of uh, something you've experienced with a property management uh, or a, a tenant or a, a maintenance thing uh, that, you know, just was kind of making you pull your hair out and waste your time like that? Well, when, you, when you're dealing with a tenant or the city with inspections, if, if you own the asset, you become personally involved. You become attached to that. You you may make mis, uh, make mistakes because you're uh, emotional. So taking it back a step and, and and treating that property as an investment, long term investment, uh, it's it's tough to do sometimes when you're dealing with it with yourself instead of a third party manager. Third party manager looks at it the property as this is an asset. This is a four hundred one k. This is this is a stock pretty much. And how are we going to protect that asset? And how do we get that asset here to there. Okay. Yeah, so kind of t- removing yourself emotionally or detaching yourself from the property itself. Um, I know a, a lot of small landlords are attached to their properties, uh, especially if they maybe lived it in the past. Um, that can create a strong attachment to the house. Absolutely. And, and sometimes, I mean, when I first started in, in the real estate investing game, uh, I was told, Never get attached to your property. And that's the truth. Yeah. I mean, we'll probably get into it here with the 1031 exchanges. That's other uh, information we give to our owners about uh, trading up. If you own a duplex, the market's hot. Uh, there's a lot of uh, buyers out there that want to owner-occupy. And duplexes are hot for that right now. And the prices are up. And those are good times to sell. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean you need to get out of the game, but that might be a time that you could buy a four-unit or two, two more properties. Where you're doubling your uh, your income. Sure. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And because if you're attached to the property, you're going to hold it forever, and you might not sell it when it's the best time to sell it. Exactly. Yeah. Very yep. good. Um, so one of the things we really want to focus on in this show is the systems and processes of your management business, um, just so we can all learn together and improve what we're doing. So I want to start with uh, your lease. And what's something that you maybe changed or added to your lease in the recent uh, few months or years um, that has improved your lease? Um, we try to follow the MHA guidelines um, just because those are... And that's uh, MHA is... Multi-housing. Yeah. Yeah. Multi-housing association. Yeah. And, and what they do is it's been tested and... When you go to court, it's it's just easier. There's a lot of, I mean, we've had owners come to us that have added things to their lease where it's it's you look at them and you say you can't you can't just because it's in the lease doesn't mean that it's going to win in court. Yeah. So we we I mean we we put the best things that it's need that you need in a lease, but we don't overstep the boundaries of the law. Okay. Yeah. So you're pretty pretty well sticking to the standard lease and. Um, not changing too much there. Yeah. I mean, there may be, I mean, the best way to do it is what is expected of the tenant. Yep. More, more to say than if you don't do this, this is what's going to happen to you because there's statutes and there's laws in the state of Minnesota yep. that you have to follow. So it doesn't matter what is in your lease, but if you're educating how a tenant needs to treat the property or what we expect out of them, that, that's usually the best outcome. Yeah. And so speaking about uh, tenant expectations, um, What's the best way that you help them, help our residents to really understand their expectations aside from the lease itself? 
Well, what we have a we have a full uh, full team of leasing agents that educate the tenants upon coming into the property, and and it's pretty simple. We we offer a great product, a great property. It's clean, it's safe, it's been through inspection. That's what we expect of our owners. That's that's the best thing that we can offer a tenant as they move in, and then we uh, then we let them know that hey, we want it in the same same condition. That's it. That's all we're asking is treat the property with care like it's yours because it is. And when you hand it back to us, we want it in the same or similar fashion, less wear and tear. That's that's what we're looking at. It's easier for us to rent it the next time around and give a good uh, rental reference when they move out. So we educate them upon move-in. And when they give their 60-day notice, uh, we usually go out there with an agent and tell them what we're expecting of them as they move out. Okay. So you have... Uh... A meeting with them in person when they give you their notice. Yes. Yep. Okay. Yep. We meet them out the, at, out at, out at the property and we say, hey, this is this is some things that you need to look at when you move on when yep. you move out and give them the opportunity to fix it and repair it themselves. Yep. Yeah, I can see how that's going to be really important for setting move out expectations because um, if the tenants live there for several years, you um, you know a lot of things can happen over that time period. Um, so it's good to reconnect before you end the relationship there. Yeah, and it and it helps the uh, owner too because we set set up the uh, expectations of hey, we, we want to rent this property when you move out. I mean, we're big on twenty four hour turns. It's good for the owners. It's good for housing that we have more units available for pe- people to move in sooner. Mm-hmm. So if they're moving out on the thirty first or thirtieth, that it's moved in on noon the next day. So okay. that's what we, we, we go for, and we've been up to 50 in a calendar month where we do, we've we done 50 24-hour turns. Wow. So That's really impressive. Yeah. Do you typically have people moving out at the end of the month and then moving back in new people on the first of the month? Yes. So all those 50 turns, or most of them, were all on basically one night, one, one day. 24 hours, and sometimes those land on Saturdays and Sundays, so yeah. we got to be going. We have to be going, and, and like I said, it's good for the tenant who's moving in, um, and it's good for the owner because we're not giving a, a losing those months of rent. Yeah. So I want to dig into that a little bit more because that's a really impressive feat. Yeah. Um, so what what's in your checklist to make sure that that transition is smooth? And well, first off, we have we have a good staff in office that uh, that. Um, Puts things puts it together. We have an agent go out. Does it need carpet? Does it need uh, paint? So we're scheduling all of this before. If it's deemed a 24-hour turn, we know if it's 60 days out, if we can do it in 24 hours first. So then we can start marketing it for the first. We get eyes on it right away, and we figure out, hey, can it be a 24-hour turn? If it can't, if it needs major items like carpet, paint, and maintenance, that means not a 24-hour turn. That, that we need five days, and we'd let the owner know that. Um, but if it's just a paint, paint and a little bit of maintenance, that's a 24-hour turn. So we put, it, put them in the categories. Agent goes out, gets into the office to our, uh, uh, our resource manager, and she puts it together, whether it's a 24-hour turn or not. Okay. So are there – so you mentioned – it would be a 24-hour turn if there's just paint and maybe a few minor maintenance. Yes. And, yep. and probably cleaning, of course. Yes. Um, but if it needs paint and carpet and some larger things, 
uh, that it's going to be at least five days. Yes. Okay. We we slate it for five days, and and you know what we we want to uh, under promise, over deliver. So mm -hmm. if we say five days and we get it done in three, and we tell a tenant, hey, you can move in early, they're happy. Okay. Yeah, and so in order to line up that many crews of maintenance people, um, do you have a lot of third party vendors that you work for? Do you have in house staff? We have a third party vendor for painting, uh, and we have a lot of in house staff. So we do we have a. a Rehab crews that are out fixing properties up, but we call everybody, it's calling all cars when it's the end of the month. It's, this is what we had to do, and, you know, it's everybody's uh, assigned their, their turns. Okay. And then how do you keep up with all that to make sure that people are following through? The agents, once the uh, property's done, the agent does a walkthrough with the tenant. So um, sometimes there are items that need to be addressed. But it can still be moved into, so in the next five business days, we'll get out there, uh, organize with the new tenant, and, and, and get him done. Okay. Yeah. So that leasing agent uh, plays a big role in both the initial walkthrough, see what needs to be done, and then checking in to make sure it's been done. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. Very good. You know, in all of this, dealing with uh, our residents during their stay, before and after their stay, it's, um, as you know... Property management is a lot about customer service. Um, what is your perspective on just the term customer service, and how does that relate to being a landlord? It's 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 a tough balancing act. Uh, like like I uh, I tell a lot of people, we deal with cities, the community, tenants, and owners, and trying to make all four of those happy. It's it's really really tough, but we we work our best at it. Uh, we have a uh, a spot on our website housinghubmn.com, where residents can go in, in, in uh, around the neighborhood. If they see something going on at our property, they can give an anonymous, anonymous complaint, uh, which, which that was added new this year, which uh, I think it's good getting feedback from the community because communities, they can make you or break you. If we don't have a good relationship with the community, they're, they're not going to like whoever uh, is moving in next to them. So yep. we, we got to engage the community. So that, that has been good. Um, just briefly about that. I, I know that some people have the perspective that they don't want to ask for feedback because they might get it. Yeah. And they just want to do what they're doing. Uh, so I guess I commend you for, for putting that out there. Um, I think that's, hope, you know, that should be well received um, as long as you then respond to the uh, feedback that's given. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, engaging the community, engaging with your tenants, uh, I mean, customer service it goes both ways um, with tenants listening to their problems. Can we help them all the time with their problems? Not all the time because we have an owner on the other end. But just educating them, hey, we're the third party. We're going we're gonna to be an advocate for you, but we're also an advocate for the owner, and we're going to try to bridge a gap, try to make a solution for the problem if there is one. So, and we have, a, uh, we have five staff members that just deal with tenant Tenant complaints, tenant uh, uh, comments, tenants say hey, good jobs, or or just working with tenants on their uh, payment arrangements. Okay, well, that's uh, another interesting thing I want to dive into is how do you split up uh, the roles and responsibilities within your company? Um, so you've talked about leasing agents that are kind of out there in the field, and then you've got five people you said that are kind of are these in the office, feeling phone calls and such. So, 
the five handle tenant disputes or tenant compliments or whatever you want to call them, uh, we have two people that are dedicated just for uh, rent collection, reaching out to the tenant, uh, hey, your rent's not in, what's going on? Uh, because we really want to reach out to them, uh, communicate with them, understand what they're going through. If they're going through a problem, maybe they just forgot, maybe they, their paycheck's a little late. We work with tenants because I think it's at the end of the day, if you work with the tenants, it's the best for the owner. We can do it in a sympathetic, uh, business-like manner without emotion and, and work out deals, uh, plans, um, arrangements. And then we get approval from the owner and we make it happen. But we also let the tenants know that if you set up an arrangement with us and you don't come through, then there has to be consequences. But we like to work with tenants. So we have two, two uh, employees that work with just payments. But they also take, when at low peak, they'll, they'll take calls from tenants and try to organize uh, whatever they need. Um, we also have three admin that just take calls all day. And uh, and then, then they break up. Some work with Section 8, some, some do lease renewals. And so we have departments broken up, but they all are there to answer tenant questions and owner questions. Okay. Well, let's talk briefly about that, uh, the two people that are pursuing rent. Yes. What is the schedule? Like, if uh, when do they make outbound calls? Uh, is it on day two or day five or ten? You know, how do they look at that? So, emails emails, and uh, emails go out that rent's due and uh, just to, you know, hey, it's coming up. Uh, and When is that? That's on the uh, end of the month. First of the month, depending okay. on if it's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or, or Monday. So you're proactively telling the tenants the rent is due. Yes. Okay. Yep. So that's that's an interesting point because not everybody does that. Yeah, and and I would say we collect within the first two three days we collect eighty percent of our rent. So I mean it's it's a big chunk and and it uh, it works just sometimes you need a reminder sometimes hey it's coming up and it works and then uh, six you're Late, late notices go out, and then we start calling down the list. Okay. And and we're always engaging the owner at the same time, letting them know. It's a six. The rent wasn't uh, received yet. We're working on it. Yeah. And then we'll update them along the way. For the written notices, um, both you know letting them know their rent's coming up as due and then also that it's late, is that mostly through email or USPS or all both or email. Um, it could be done through text. It's whatever recommended way the tenant wants to be communicated with. Okay. So. So you're tracking um, the preferred communication method of each tenant. Yes. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Great. Um, so what if somebody doesn't pay by by the tenth or you know after you've given them a few warnings? If we don't, if we do do not get a response from the tenant. Um, we engage the owner and say, hey, this is what we recommend. And it, it and it's all depends on the situation. Has this tenant been late before? Are they consistently late? Is this a pattern? Um, does this, I mean, there's, we note the accounts uh, every, every month on patterns of uh, what tenants, how they're paying. And just so we understand, you know, their cycle. And we'll make recommendations, you know, uh, we might start thinking about eviction if we don't get a response from them. 
Because at the end of the day, we want a response from the tenant and we want to work with them. But if they're not calling us or getting back to us, then we have to move and recommend to the owner what they need to be looking at. Yeah. So pro tip to any residents out there, communicate with your landlord, right? Communicate with your landlord is a very important thing. Yeah. Okay. So you've talked, we talked about your leasing agents. Uh, How many leasing agents do you have? Currently we have six leasing agents. Okay. Um, okay, so you've got leasing agents, you've got uh, rent collection people, and you've got people fielding inbound calls, whether it's be uh, maintenance or uh, complaints or compliments. Maintenance, uh, ma- we have a maintenance coordinator. Uh, our online uh, service takes the calls, creates the work order, and okay. then our dispatch dispatch dispatches it. If there's a maintenance complaint, it goes to the maintenance dispatch department, uh, and that's two people. Uh, and then we have a disposition uh, department where that does the uh, move outs and, okay. and uh, deposit refunds. Okay. So, and then we have a resource manager that handles uh, all the agents and any inner office communications, uh, policy, um, uh, employee handbook, okay. uh, such uh, things like that. And then we also have a director of finance who does cuts checks, pays vendors, reaches out the owners, talks about their uh, their uh, ledger and, and how to read it. If you okay. have multiple properties, it can get, get to be cumbersome sometimes when you have a list of finance stuff coming over. Yeah. But we want to make sure our owners understand that. Yep. For maintenance, you talked about uh, an online service fielding those inbound calls. Is that what I heard you say? Right? Yes. Okay. Yep. Talk to you about that. What? That's a uh, that's a uh, service that our management software uh, offers. Okay. Appfolio. Okay. Um, and they take all the calls and they submit the work orders and as we see them, then they're dispatched by us. Okay. And then if it's after hours, it's dispatched directly to the on call. Sure. Okay. Um, is there any uh, system for kind of troubleshooting with uh, the tenants over the phone for resolving maintenance concerns? Absolutely. Uh, uh, our maintenance coordinator, he, he he will do that. Aaron will reach out to the tenant and say, "Hey, try this," yeah. or you know, "Can you send me a picture?" Yeah. and try to work through it. I mean, if we can save uh, time and money for the owner and the tenant, we'll do it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really great. I think that a lot of maintenance concerns are, can be easily resolved, and sometimes they're mate uh, they are uh, tenant responsibility things. Where you don't want to be spending owner's money on it. Exactly, and we if it if if it's something that we see that it could be uh, tenant a tenant charge, we we notify the tenant and say, hey, this this could be a charge to you. Do you still want us to come out? Okay. I mean that cuts down on uh, a lot of callback after we do uh, repair, and there's a tenant charge back, and they complain about it. Okay. So it's it's it saves time, money, and uh, also. Keeps the tenants and owners happy. Yep. And now you've talked about Appfolio as your uh, software. And uh, how long have you been using that software? Since the beginning, 2013. Okay. And how did you land on it and what do you like about it? You know what? Uh, w- w- there, there's a bunch of services out there, a lot of product out there. And uh, we called around and we did some demos. And this one came out to be the best one for the fact that you can... Submit ideas. 
and uh, and they'll kind of conform to your market. So we've changed Appfolio a lot with our ideas. Um, so it's 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 a product that it changes and it gets better. Um, so that's that's why we like it. I mean, okay. they ha they're the only one who has a call service, which helps us helps helps out a, a lot, um, and also just I mean, uh, CRPs they've changed with how we how we do CRPs. We used to do it by hand, and now they implemented it into the software. Yeah, you mentioned the call service. Is that just for the maintenance department, or is there other features to the call service in Appfolio? They will take the uh, they will they will put the uh, work order in the system, but they also they will call um, the on call, which is nice. Okay. So it doesn't go to a, uh, a system, and if someone's not there watching the system uh, Saturday, Sunday, or after hours, it just sits there. They right. will actually pick up the phone and call the technician if okay. it's an emergency. Yeah. So that's that's really nice. That's great, and I I bet the tenants appreciate actually somebody picking up the phone, right? Oh, absolutely. Well, you know what? Some if we have peak hours, sometimes. Uh, they they have to be on hold and you know they don't like that but there is also uh they can go online and submit it online too so yeah. do you guys have a, a standard for how quickly you'll be getting back to tenants when they submit a concern um no heats emergencies same day uh just expect us we're going to be there um if it's uh a lot of times we're out there the same day even if it's not emergency just because comes comes in, want it off the off the list because you you always want to be prepared for emergencies because yeah. you never know when you're going to have it. Cold weather, uh, ice dams with leaky roofs. I mean, so we always want to stay ahead of our workload and make sure our work orders are close close to zero, and and we work hard at that. Yeah, very good. Um. Now, I want to talk about your relationship with the property owners and uh, especially those large investors that are really kind of strategically investing um, and they want to make sure that their their managers are doing what they're supposed to be doing. So how do you build confidence with the owners and make and, uh, you know, calm their nerves, yeah. uh, make sure they're not worried about maintenance costs going crazy and just different things like that? Well, uh, our director of operations, Martin, um, he's he's been with us for five years now. He's done a great job at that. He's 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 the one who brings the new owners in, sets the expectations, and we'll reach out to them and keep them keep them in the loop and make sure they're you know, hey, what's going on? Have you had any problems? What could we do better? Uh, he's been very good at just staying in the loop with owners and and really running the office. Okay. So, and is he the main person they would call once uh, if they have a question? Yes. Okay. Yes. If 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 the uh, admin cannot handle it, it'll it'll get bumped up to him. Okay. And what are some of the expectations that he sets with the owners? Um. To. That's a good question. To be patient, uh, let us get get our feet on the ground with, especially if you're a new owner coming in. I mean, there's a lot we got to do. We got to make sure that there's keys, set up lock boxes, uh, make sure all the properties are in the system the correct way, make sure we have uh, the tenants in there right, make sure we get the leases, uh, setting up the, the expectation that we have to, we have to hold the, we we would rather hold the damage deposits in our trust account than they hold them them themselves. 
Um, and, and just setting our expectations of, you know, this is how we do it and how they did it. Sometimes they're done a different way, and, but easing their mindset, hey, this is how we're going to do it because we've done it. It's true. It's tested and, and it, it follows all the laws. Yeah, that's good. And uh, they have the benefit of your vast experience with all the rental properties you have, the years past you've worked at it. So your systems, um, you know, are tested like you've just mentioned. Yes. Um, how do how often do you recommend that the property management, uh, somebody from your company and the owner meet to discuss the rental portfolio? You know what? It, it, we can meet at any time. If you want to meet once a month, once a month, we'll meet with you once a month. Our doors are open. Um, a lot of times you got owners that want to set it and go. Just here you go, and they'll, they'll, they'll give you questions when they look at their ledgers, if they see too much maintenance, if they see their, you know, uh, that, that hey, we have a vacancy too long, what's going on here, or, or whatever not. But usually they'll reach out when they have a problem. But we're, we're pretty good at reaching out to them saying, hey, how, how are we doing? How are our services? What could we do better? And, and I think that's, that's another good thing that stops the calls. We want to contact owners when we have something good to tell them. And we do a lot of that. I mean, our admin are supposed to call them. Hey, this is what we did for you today. Not just to call them when there's bad news. Because okay. you don't want owners wincing when they see our number. <laughs> right. You want them to be, really? Oh, that's good to hear. Uh, so we like to update uh, owners with good good news. Yeah. So I don't know if you know this, but I used to be a property manager, and I always felt like I was the bearer of bad news, whether I was talking to tenants or the owners. And so it's always the bad guy. But uh, so that's interesting how you have found the way to, you know, bring them good news. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> be, I mean, hey, when that phone rings, you you know, and they they just came from that, right? If they're bringing their portfolio to us, they've taken those calls. They never get good calls from the tenant. Hey, guess what? I fixed that leaky toilet. I was leaking on tenant one. <laughs> or, uh, hey, I got my rent uh, two weeks early. I mean, you very, very far and few in between. Yep. Very good. Um, what about how often should uh, the property management company or the owner visit the property? Um, you know what? Uh Usually we're out there once a quarter, okay. whether it's we're out there cleaning snow, um, drive-bys. Our big thing are blinds. If the property doesn't look good from the outside, it probably doesn't look good from the, uh, from the inside, um, and, it, and it's good for the neighborhoods. Um, but with maintenance, our maintenance staff, when they go out there, they're, they do a visual check. If there's something out of the ordinary, uh, they got to contact the office. And then the owner, um, but yeah, I mean, we're active. Okay, but uh, with a portfolio of around eighteen hundred properties, I know that can be difficult. So obviously, the the squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? So, oh yeah. I mean, if you got a tenant that's always calling you, and you got these properties that are always breaking down, you're at maybe twenty percent of the properties more often than others. Yeah. So how do you make sure you're getting to the other people and the other properties that are not causing problems if owners call in they want to they get a condition inspection one one every calendar year if they want a condition inspection we'll go out there conduct it and report it to them 
Okay. So yeah, that's that's they have to be requested, but we will go out there one a year and and give it to them. Okay. And so that you you mentioned that they get a inspection. So that's kind of like within your services that's included. So yes. You yep. Okay. Very good. Okay. And again, for those intentional investors, you know, a lot of times what they're looking at is their net operating income. Um, because that's how they're going to be valuing their property, whether they're looking to refinance or sell in the near future. Um, so what are ways that you have been able to reduce expenses or increase income, uh, all while actually maintaining the property in good condition? What we do is, uh, usually the best time to do that is when a lease is up or when it needs to be re-rented. And so what we do is we do a market analysis of what rentals are going in the neighborhood. And I mean, you can only get so much for a property. There's only so much you can do. And it all depends on how much the property was bought for, if they overpaid for it, um, and what you can get for that rent. But rent income is the best way to get, get you that, to that number. Uh, taxes is another thing to worry about. Uh, are your taxes too high? Uh, we can help with owners uh, uh, appealing them. And I do it on a lot of properties where they're overpriced, appeal them and drop that price down. Okay. So that's another good thing. Uh, we do insurance audits. Um, are your insurance costs too high? How can we get those down? Are you paying, have you been with the same insurance company for 10 years? Because as, you, as you're with insurance companies, they keep going up. So you right. got to keep them honest. Yep. So there's ways to do it. Uh, inspection costs. Uh, instead of doing inspection every year, why don't we get a really good inspection? Why don't we get through it Make sure all the life safety items, make sure it's safe, clean, and before that inspection instead of after the inspection. Uh, so pre-inspections are big. Uh, if you don't have to do an inspection every year but every six years, that's that's good for uh, the bottom line. Um, and just making sure when you're out there on a maintenance issue, maybe little or little or big, that you do check around. Uh, is Are there other things you can do while you're there instead of coming back? Um, so there's, there's, there's a lot of ways that you can. So is that something you tell your maintenance people that are dispatched that look around and see if there's other things to, that we can do in order that they don't turn into bigger issues? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, you mentioned briefly that sometimes there might be a, an inspection every year or every six years. And that, that's based, you're talking about the city inspection, right? Yeah. It's, and, it, and it's based on how good you do. At that one, I mean, did you get an A or a D? Yeah. Or or, or what what tier are you in mm -hmm. Minneapolis? Right. So if you, you you want good inspections because the more they come out, the more money it's cost. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They in I know in uh, city of Minneapolis, I got my rental license uh, renewal the other day, and uh, it went up a tier. Hard. <laughs> And it was due to the number of visits. Yep. Although I need to dispute it because I'm pretty sure they have one extra that's not really there. I think you need a management company. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so you mentioned um, pre-inspections. Is that kind of standard when you get um, a notice of an upcoming city inspection that you do a pre-inspection? Yes, uh, city inspections. We do pre-inspections. We want to get out there and and because a lot of inspectors they want to come out and uh, they want to write something. I mean, it's it's really hard to go back to your office and say, "Hey, I didn't write anything up today." <laughs> I mean, so they, they they usually want to come out write something up, but like I said, keep the number down, 
get a good tier, get a good grade, keep keep them out keep them out of the property because yeah, that's going to raise their cost. Yeah, and, and my experience with the individual inspectors has been pretty positive. I think they, you know, they want to get along. They just they have to write down what they see. Yep. So I think uh, when they do see a good property, they're happy to say, "Yeah, you're doing a great job." You know, it's it's easy to stand out from the crowd sometimes. Oh yeah. So well, I mean, and like you said, there are good inspectors and there's some nitpicky inspectors, and mm-hmm. and that's we have one uh, maintenance inspector who meets the maintenance staff or meets the inspection staff in both cities, and that's worked out best because then you get to know what what's this uh, inspector big on? Because you, I mean, you've dealt with them. One inspector might come out and say, "Hey, I'm I'm." I'm all in for reverse polarity or, or GFIs or, or rip carpet or, or cracks in the walls. I mean, what, or peeling paint on the exterior of the property. Some inspectors are different. And so knowing which inspector is going to call what helps out on the inspection process. Yep. Now, when you're uh, advising the owners about different repairs and renovations to do, especially maybe at turnovers, are there some products that you recommend that will last longer than others so that they don't have to replace something in a, just a couple of months or a couple of years? The vinyl planking has been working great for us. I remember when I first started, it was uh, the Pergo, and that was the greatest <laughs> thing. And they get water on it, and it, and it turns into cardboard. Turned out to be not so great. Yeah, not so great. This uh, The new product, uh, this laminate uh, click flooring, goes in good. It's quick. looks good. Um, and it's... I mean, it's better than linoleum, yeah. and and it's and it looks a lot better. So uh, we we do granite in a lot of our units, okay, just because it lasts longer. Um, uh, and and it's I mean it's maybe two thirds more the cost, but it's going to last you ten, fifteen, twenty more years than just for mica. Yeah. Um, what else? Uh, blinds, the new non-cord blinds. A lot of them are coming with uh, no uh, twists or okay. cords. It's good for kids. You don't have to worry about that. But they just pull down, and yep. so th- those have been good. Um, what else? And appliances. I'm I'm a big advocate of new appliances. Okay. Once they get into a certain age, it's going to cost more to fix them. They're yep. going to run into more problems. I'm. I like new appliances. I'm a new appliance guy. Yeah, I think it's just really important to pay attention to these improvements so that, uh, like I said, we're not repairing, replaced things a couple of months or years after we just put them in. Yeah. Hey, everybody. I'm interrupting the show quick to make sure you know about the North Star Real Estate Conference. If you're ready to take your real estate investing career to the next level, then you need to attend this two-day event on April 24th and 25th. We have both local and national experts presenting on finding deals, flipping houses, multifamily syndication, commercial investing, creative deal making, and so much more. Whether you're brand new to real estate or you've been in it for years, there is something for everybody at this conference. In addition to the great content, we have prioritized networking so that you can grow your real estate team. So click the link in the show notes to buy your ticket today, and I'll see you there. What are some of the KPIs or key performance indicators or just numbers that you look at um, from a high level or that the owner should be looking at, whether that's on their 
uh, income report, or maybe whether it's for you a number of calls that are showings that a leasing agent does, or you know, what is on a business level, what are numbers that you track and pay attention to? Um, the bottom line, pretty much, and what? Well, how do you get there? I mean, uh, are you? Are, you, are your mortgage costs too much? Are your insurance costs too much? Uh, are your property taxes? I mean, those are your big ticket items that are going to affect the performance of your property. The, the other stuff is, it's, it's, it's relative, but it's, it's minor compared to those big ticket items. And, you know, getting a good tenant in there, uh, uh, doing, being able to do 24-hour turns. I think properties that are in better shape, um, which... If, if you have a chance to turn it, maybe putting that initial uh, more dollars into it so it's going to last long with the click flooring, maybe with some granite, maybe with newer appliances. So when that tenant is up after a year or two years, you can do that 24-hour turn. So that's going to bring your cost down uh, tremendously. Sitting on vacants, I always tell owners sometimes, I mean, if you want your top price here, you know, lower it a little bit to get it rented because... If you sit out sit out a month, you, you could have done it anyways. You could have dropped it a hundred dollars. Yeah. So, pricing it right and and being realistic to the market is always good too. Yep. Well, talking about pricing it right, what's the way that you make sure that you are pricing it according to the market? What I do is uh, anything that comes for re rent or new leasing coming in that we we use a couple different softwares. Um, that tell t get us in the ballpark, right? And then uh, my business partner and I look at it. We make our recommendations, and at the end of the day, the owner is the one who says, "I got three different prices or three of the same prices. I'm gonna go with it. I'm gonna push it a little bit, uh, or you know, or you know what? Maybe I'm fine with a hundred dollars less than that, so we can get it rented quicker. Yeah. So we make our recommendations based upon uh, two of the softwares we use and. Uh, one of them is an app folio. One of them is a secret, and uh, <laughs> one of them's uh, my business partner and I. Okay, sounds good. Um, now, when I one thing that happens with investment properties, they, they kind of go through a life cycle. You know, we we buy an investment property, we we you manage it for us, and then eventually we're going to hopefully get ready to sell it in order to, like you said, ten thirty one into something bigger. Um, how do you help owners get ready for that sale in terms of positioning, whether it be leases, maintenance, or whatever else, just so that it can get the most money in the open market? Um, a lot of times what we do is we, we go through every unit. Hey, what do we got to do here? This is the improvements. The common areas are big. Common areas got to look good. Um, I don't think all the, all the units have to be gems um, with granite. Sometimes maybe just taking a unit or two, depending on the size, and, and uh, doing those high-end uh, finishes can show the next property owner, hey, oh, I'm getting, look at the rent he's getting on this. If I can do it to the rest of them, I can raise the rents on the whole thing. Um, there's, there's different ways to get there, um, but having the property being able to sh show well, um, make sure, you know, some, some owners want, you know, say if you have a five-unit, they, they want to just come in and, and run it and have long-term leases. Some uh, owners want maybe, you know, three long-term leases and, and maybe two months, month a month, so they can get in and do their repairs. So it's just depending on the property, which area, 
is it at its max? If it's at its max, we, we probably want them on higher leases, long-term leases. Okay. So every situation is different, but uh, just preparing them for that. Yeah. So you're saying that if you've already kind of maxed out the rent for the building, then hopefully lock in those tenants to long-term leases. Whereas if they're under market, if they've been there a long time, keep them on month to month so that there's flexibility for the next owner. Absolutely. Yep. yep. And that's nice what you said about uh, renovating at least a couple of the units and maybe proving the the you know maximum market value for that property, that location, if you do these improvements. Yes. So then the new owner coming in can see the potential and still have some meat on the bone to, to make their own improvements their own way. Absolutely. And you're in the market. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy out there, the prices that people are paying. Yeah. Um, and uh, so... It's 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 a little easier to sell now than it was even you know five years ago, mm-hmm. three years ago. I mean the prices we're we're getting on things are kind of kind of crazy. Yeah. Well, uh, talking about prices and craziness, uh, let's talk about the market and and where it's going. Um, you know, there's lots of concerns with affordable housing um, and just not enough housing being built in general. Um, what do you see happening maybe in, in the rest of 2020 uh, or however long you want to predict it out? Um, what are we expecting for, for landlords here? Um, I, I look at for housing in general as inventory and interest rates. I mean, where are they? How much inventory do we have out there? Um, we do have a class of the young that are coming up that likes the rent. And I mean, we, we get calls for changing light bulbs. Um, and, and those, I don't know if it's the new generation and that's what they're going to be is renters and they don't want to own because they, they, they're, these are the kids who kind of came through the market where they maybe saw their parents lose their house or, or somebody, their parents, friend lost their real estate, uh, portfolio. Uh, maybe they're a little bit hesitant to jump in into the market. Uh, I think they will change. I think they will want to get a piece of the real estate market as they see these prices getting up. Uh, that's why I see a lot of uh, duplexes uh, flying off the shelves. I mean, they're in the 200s in uh, all of St. Paul. I mean, you can't find anything under 200. Yeah. And and it's, I mean, I think they're looking at, hey, I'll live in the bottom one. I'll rent the top one. And so I see a lot of that uh, owner-occupied uh, stuff out there. If you're just getting into the market, I wouldn't discourage it. Um, right now, it, I think it's tough to get in. And pay these prices and and to turn a profit on it um uh you see a lot of people coming in from out of state you know where there's a five cap in california and they want to come and get a uh, seven cap an eight cap in minnesota so they're they're looking at our prices and saying hey this is cheap so i i think first time uh investor i think a duplex and having something else to rent to supplement your income. I think that that's a good way to start. Um, uh, or find something distressed where you can put a little elbow grease into it and, and, and get into it like that. Yep. And um, as the, the political environment uh, is in our, in our cities here, I know that you're involved quite a bit with the city of St. Paul. Um, talk to us a little bit about uh, what's, what's going on with that. Do landlords have a voice, and how do we position ourselves um, to not be the evil person that they make us out to be? Yeah, I mean, uh, 
I've always said the landlord's the biggest group of uh, weakest <laughs> voices. And I think you have to get active with the city um, in, in, a, in a good way. Uh, they're trying to conduct their business. They're trying to uh, uh, appease their voters. They're trying to uh, uh, build on uh, a community the, the way they think they need to. So it's something that we have to work with. They're going to be there um, instead of butting heads with them. Uh, I've done that. Um, sometimes it's better just to let's let's work together. What 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 is what are you trying to do? What are we trying to do? Not all landlords are bad. Not all politicians are bad. How can we come together and how can we bridge that gap? And I mean, at the end of the day, we want safe, affordable housing in 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 the community. Where you know a lot of community members say, "Hey, that's what we want," but when they start getting into the neighborhoods, they they don't want it. <laughs> so th that not in my backyard yeah and uh, i know you've made some accomplishments with the city of st paul um what what have you what is that you know what uh just tra uh travis with the city of st paul he runs uh he's deputy dsi uh just communicating with them hey this is the feedback your inspectors are doing well uh this is what we're doing uh just kind of laying out a vision uh, we work with some of the city council members, uh, just laying out the vision. Hey, we're not just here uh, to take money and make money. We're here to build our portfolio, offer affordable housing, and and we have a long-term plan. We're not in and out. We're long-term. So if we have a big portfolio, it means we're engaged. We're, we have a stake in the market. So uh, just communicating with, uh, with them, give them feedback on any new policies coming out with like the application policy, uh, what we think it's going to do to the market, and just giving them some honest feedback. Because at the end of the day, they're going to take some of what you say, maybe not all of it, maybe not any of it, but at least you got it out there, and maybe next time around they can say, you know what, they voiced their opinion, they were right, maybe we should listen a little bit more next time, or, or hey, they were right, thank God we listened. So, I mean, just communicating with them, keeping an open dialogue, uh, and, and just get honest, honest feedback to yep. what, they're, what they're doing. Yep. Well, I appreciate, you know, what you're doing and being involved. Um, I think it's hard for a small owner if you just have one or two or a couple of properties um, and you've got your other job. It's hard to be fully involved in the political process. But you, as a representative of 1,800 units, uh, you know, it's almost your responsibility to be involved there. So I appreciate that. Yeah, and and I think a, a smaller owner who doesn't want management, uh, the advice I could give them is, you know what? If you own a house, go to the house to the right. Go to the house to the left. Go around, talk to your neighbors. Let them know what you're doing. Let them know, hey, here's my phone number. I mean, it might it might seem scary to give neighbors your phone number, but if you see something, give me a call. Just that that shows the neighbor you're invested. And that's going to limit the calls to the city, right? Yeah. And then when city officials get calls from John, 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 they're thinking, well, John's not a good landlord. Yeah. So engaging your community, engaging the properties around it is, is the best way to do it. And then if something does come up, handling it quick, efficiently, and, and making the city, and reaching up maybe out to that inspector that gave you a citation and said, hey, I took care of it. Here's some pictures. I know you got to go back out, but show them you're engaged. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's a great tip as well. I mean, 
uh, you don't want to be that property or that landlord that is always getting calls on to the city by the neighbors. So if you get the neighbors to call you first, yeah, that might be a little bit annoying, but at least you can, uh, you know, avoid the complaints to the city. Absolutely. And you got to understand that the city, city officials, they just, I mean, very rarely do they get compliments. They're getting complaints. So that's how they base their policy is, is what. Who's complaining the most? <laughs> yes. What they're getting. I mean, and it, and it, maybe sometimes it's making a bigger deal out of it than it really is, but you know, uh, Staying engaged with your community is the best way. Yeah, that's great. All right, well, Joe, we have covered quite a bit here today. I'm going to be wrapping things up, but I want to give the audience a quick opportunity to get to know you a little bit better. Okay. So I want to ask you, why do you get up in the morning? Oh, try to make it work. Try. You know what? Uh, it, it's kind of funny. My wife go, always tells me, because uh, Tom, my business partner, is uh, is – my best friend. He's actually five years older than me, and I, I, I poke at him for that. Uh, he was actually the best man in my brother's wedding, who is four years older than me. I grew up three houses away from him. Uh, my wife always says that I go into work and you just drive around and have fun. <laughs> and you know what? I, I kind of, you know what? I agree. I, I do. I, I like to go in because it's a challenge. When I walk into that office, there's something new every day, whether it's it's we're dealing with the city. Uh, I mean, you, I mean, uh, owner, uh, community member. I mean, what are, what are we going to do today uh, uh, for giving back to the community? I mean, just coming up with ways how to how to better the business. There's always something new. It's not like it's a set day. So yeah. it's it's new every day. It's entertaining. It's it's challenging. It's frustrating. I mean, you get every type of emotion from Monday to Friday and no Saturday and Sunday too. I mean, <laughs> it, being a, being a property owner, a property manager, you're always, you're always working. Yep. So, and that's kind of how I was, how both of us were raised. My, my dad and, and his, his dad were, it's, yep. they kind of, kind of were blue collar workers. Okay. Very good. Uh, next question is what event or person in your history was pivotal in making you who you are today? Oh, I would have to say uh, my father uh, showed me the hard work. Just just get in there, hard work. Just just bang your head around. My mom was more of the visionary, uh, big dreamer. Uh, so I think the combination of them both. And then we have a, a family member, Kathy, uh, is she's more of a sympathetic, uh, gave people a lot of chances. So I think uh, I kind of had uh, two moms, one dad, and uh, I think when you mash it all together, I, I'm a hard worker, visionary, with some uh, and, and sympathetic and 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 compassionate yeah. in what I do. That's good. You were able to take positives from each of those. Yeah, that's good. Um, and then my third question for you today is: What's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Well, they can call me directly six five one four two eight five nine two two. Uh, or they could call Housing Hub at 651-488-2437 or just log on to housinghubmn.com, check us out, see what we're about, and give us a call. But uh, if, whether you're small or big, we can help you. Good, good. Wonderful, Joe. Well, I appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule um, to be with us here today. 
And just as a small token of that appreciation, here is uh, the official Maximizing Your Property Value mug. So Thank you. You're more likely to put uh, coffee, hot chocolate, tea, what, what in there? You know what? Uh, I'm going to put coffee in the morning, but I don't think it's big enough. Oh. I might have to do four or five cups. <laughs> but I've been getting in a tea lately. You can do refills with that. All right, perfect. <laughs> Show, thank you so much. And to our audience, thank you so much for listening. If you got anything out of this episode, be sure to share it out. And uh, thank you so much. Thank you. Next time. The opinions shared on this show are for informational purposes only and should not be taken as a solicitation for representation or investment in any specific offering. Please consult with your financial, legal, tax, and real estate advisor before making any investment decisions. John Stiles is a licensed Minnesota real estate agent with Bridge Realty. Thanks for tuning in to Maximizing Your Property Value, the apartment owner's guide to operating rental properties as a successful business. If you're considering scaling up, downsizing, or right-sizing your real estate investment portfolio, it's important to know how to determine your property's value in today's market. That's why I've put together a free ebook for you called How to Calculate Your Investment Property's Value. To get your copy, go to www.realestatestyles.com forward slash value. Now, if you found any value in today's show, be sure to subscribe to our email newsletter, YouTube channel, and podcast through your favorite podcast player. All the links are in the show notes. And would you do me a big favor? Help me get the word out about this show by sharing with your friends on Facebook and LinkedIn. And lastly, we appreciate your five-star rating on iTunes. I really appreciate you and wish you the best in your real estate investing career. Signing off, I'm John Stiles with Bridge Realty. Make it a great day.